Hey, hey, water coolians! Welcome to the first quarantine episode of Water Cooler Talk. Uh, hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. This episode was recorded before social distancing orders went into effect, so uh, no comments on that are needed. But I want to thank those who, you know, have asked me how I'm doing. I'm I'm healthy. I'm doing well. But I want to thank those who have also shared news stories from their own country regarding COVID-19. It's been real interesting to kind of see how each country is responding to this pandemic. I do want to make a statement regarding covering the pandemic. I do not plan to cover any stories regarding COVID-19 during quarantine. There has been and will be so, so, so much information in our everyday lives regarding what is going on and not I just don't have any interest in adding to that. I want this show to be an opportunity for you to escape from that cycle and laugh and think and have conversations about something else, even if it's for an hour or so. You know, even in my own personal life, I'm kind of just sick of the constant updates and outside of what I need to be safe and keep my family and friends safe. Um, but yeah, it just this will be kind of a, a escape and to be able to talk about other things going on in the world. And also with the amount of daily information being put out, the probability of misinformation being spread is only going to grow. In case you guys did not know, I'm not a pathologist. <laughs> I don't want to take a chance on potentially passing on misinformation. Uh, the only way I would cover COVID-19 in an episode is if I was able to book a guest who is an expert in the field. But outside of that, we're going to cover the other strange things going on in the news cycle and just and just have the time to enjoy other conversations that help us feel normal in this time of unnormalness. So in today's episode, we were able to bring back a good friend of the show and a good friend of myself, Sam Walsh. He previously appeared in the episode Wall-E Marathon, which you can find in the description of this episode. And we actually have a very, you know, productive conversation about sex, sex education, consent, just an overall positive discussion of our thoughts related to those topics. As you'll hear in this episode, I don't think you can stress enough about the importance of having a good sexual education background early in life. Sex is such a normal part of human existence, but we're not talking enough about how to have safe, consensual, responsible sex with a partner or with multiple partners. So in this episode, we talk about how telling kids to suck toes over having sex is wrong. Yeah, that's right. How media is shaping our perception of success and beauty and how technology may be the downfall of humans having sex with one another. So Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is Water Cooler Talk episode 32, titled Sex Education. Enjoy! This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not, because they're real. The plan is to naturally go into the first story. I've been like really studying a lot of podcasts, mm -hmm. really putting in the work, and I realize people take way too long to get to the content of their show. Sure, there, there is a lot of like, uh, have you listened to Conan's new podcast? They always start. Have, yeah. They always start it with like, like at least like ten minutes. It feels like of just like. Well, that's like I'm a huge Jabber. Mark Marin fan, and oh. it takes a good twenty <laughs> minutes to get to the interview. Really? So we don't do this on this show. We are joined today by Sam Walsh. Uh, Sam, yes. welcome to the podcast. Third time, only the second episode that's real. So. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Forgot about the first, the first time. one did not go very well. Uh, those were some very cheap, cheap mics. That yes, I completely like, forgot about that. Every time we moved, they just destroyed the sound. Yes, it was like a low budget Transformers movie, if I remember correctly. <laughs> 
Are you ready to jump into some news stories? Get I, right back into it. I am 100% ready. Uh, if you want to do the introduction, go for it. Dad slams school after Leaflet tells teens to suck toes rather than have sex. This is from the Man- Manchester, UK, for all our UK fans. Before we dwell, dwell into this story, we're going to talk about the bigger aspects of it um, in regards to promoting healthy sex sex education. But I do want to make it very clear, some people do have a foot fetish. Some people do have a toe fetish. We are in no way kink shaming here. It's just I want to make it very clear that, you know, I don't think kink should be taught in school. But I just want to make it just a disclaimer before we start. No kink shaming here. We're all for the kinks. Yes, go for it. As long as you're not hurting anybody without their consent. Perfect. Then, then I love that. Please uh, continue, you know, be healthy, right? All right. So the father's name, Carl Lawrence, father of 14-year-old Emma, was bewildered and shocked by a few recommendations in a sexual health advice leaflet given out from her local high school. The leaflet titled 101 Ways to Show Someone You Love Them Without Having Sex included suggestions such as organize a I love you message out of the back of a plane, buy them a piece of the moon, drive for two hours just to see them for one, tell them they are beautiful even if they look rough, nibble their ear, propose marriage, suck their toes, and many, many more. This list, before I move on, <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were going to cover some of the other mm-hmm. things on it, but you know, I mean, compare, like, Did suck, you have any favorites on there? Uh, I mean, the love message out the back of a plane, you know, we're going to get to it, but one of the, I mean, this is going out to, uh, 14-year-olds and exactly. as young as 12-year-olds. I mean, <laughs> like, the economy's rough right now. How, I mean, 14-year-old and you're looking to buy some airspace time? Like, my gosh, I couldn't... Those, those are I, expensive, man. I've, I've looked into it. I've looked into it, too. <laughs> uh, Carl has urged educators to proofread this type of material in the future and think carefully about what they distribute to young, impressionable students, stating, we should be saying there are alternatives to the physical sides of things, but I don't think we should be pointing them in the direction of every other possibility. I think when it comes to children as parents and responsible adults, we safeguard them. There are certain things kids should learn about through their life. Uh, Spectrum Community Health CIC, who created the leaflet, defended their content and stated, Spectrum's relationship and sex education program provides information and support to young people throughout their high school journey, helping them to make safer choices. The 101 ways were created by teenagers are in reference by Spectrum in the context of the classroom lessons they support. Uh, So, like, you know, we both have seen what's on there. The story does provide an image showing the 101 Ways leaflet. Uh, I listed off a few already and having read through some of the non-sexual ways of showing love. (laughs) Do you, Sam, do you believe Carl is overacting to these suggestions? Or do you believe he's justified in his response? You know what? Before reading this, or you know, I didn't um, think about the fact that fourteen is high school. That's ninth grade, and kind of in my mind, fourteen was for some reason middle school or something earlier, I don't know. earlier is, than this that. This is the UK. Yeah, it could so be it's different. Grade nine. I don't know how they work that over there. I, you know, I, I don't think he's overreacting. You know, um, the one big thing that I, my one opinion that I had going into this was, you know, to each their own, right? It's one of the most difficult things about this is the, about this whole conversation is that every single parent has an idea about how to educate their kids healthily about sex. And some parents just, they don't do it at all. Some like go really into it. Some are, get offended like this, or I'm sure some others were like, hell yeah, this is a great list. Let's work our, like, let's talk about it all. Some of these things on here are just so ridiculous. I mean, we already mentioned the plain 
scene with a banner behind it. I think it's so hilarious, you know. Um, one of the options on here is parachute together, and then just <laughs> two numbers down is talk every day. So it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> there's the lows, there's like very low lows, and then there's the extremes. It's yes. like, oh, yeah, talk every day propose marriage at 14. It's unbelievable. You know, so I mean, I, you know, I have a hard time believing that this isn't satire. It's absolutely hilarious. So I have contacted Spectrum. No, uh, you they really did? back did? to me. Uh, because I, I do side with Carl in this situation. I understand what Spectrum is trying to do. I support that. You know, one of the big ones people were really going after in the comments was the proposed marriage one. And I was like, oh, is Spectrum promoting abstinence before marriage? So I contacted oh. them. They have not gotten back to me. I will update this podcast once they do. But they do have like a ton of really good pamphlets and they promote 13 different contraceptives uh, without mentioning abstinence. So okay. I don't think they're technically... Um, um, promoting abstinence in this situation. But the thing is, I think people are misunderstanding, taking all of this out of context, and they're kind of worrying like, oh yeah, we're not going to have sex, we're going to propose marriage, when really, I think it's more of just a, especially when you get to like kids that are 12, 13, 14, which this leaflet is for, like a lot of things can get misunderstood if a teacher, a parent is not properly showing them Hey, this is what this actually means. Yes, very true. And you know, I I don't know. Do you know what? Um, is there any is there any sort of standardization in terms of sex education in the UK? Um, uh, I don't know for sure in the UK, but I know in the US it's a complete mess. Um, like <laughs> majority of the schools don't even need to have medical backing, so oh, they didn't... can teach teach sex ed with no medical backing whatsoever. I think, I believe Minnesota is one of those states. Um, they just tried to pass a bill last year, like 1414 or something that did not pass, but would have allowed Minnesota teachers to teach a medically backed sex ed class. But I don't know for, to answer your question, I don't know specifically for the UK what they're, if they have a common sex ed. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but when I had the whatever limited sex education experience in my school, my parents had to sign like a waiver for it so that I could even like watch the video. Right. Well, so, what so, was your, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. What was your sex ed experience in yeah. middle school, <laughs> high school, whatever? So I remember in uh, sometime in elementary school, honestly, we just we literally watched a video. First of all, the the the, the teachers separated all the boys and mm -hmm. the girls. So like the girls watched one video, the guys watched one video, right? And um, I mean, it was just like this public access, like weird, like low budget, like just explanation video. And then at the end, they just had us all write down if we had any questions on note cards, and then they would I just. Remember that. They would just answer it, and I remember that. I, I, yeah, and that, that was it. With right? your very limited knowledge of sex. Yeah, it was like here's a video that like describes an extremely important part of life itself, and we're gonna do it in. 15 minutes or less and then we're gonna have you ask us a question and uh, it better be good because uh, you're not gonna get any more information was that from like the... that was the limit that was it what? that was all you learned for sex education in school no well then I think in like eighth grade okay. we had a health class which you know it that was the class that kind of mirrored home ec so it's like you take home ec one semester and then you take or trimester whatever it was and you take uh, health and health covered everything from like like why running is important what what the 
because of BMI, you know what I mean? And, the, and then it covered, like, a, it had a sex education thing. It was also that class I remember that was also, like, the, the D.A.R.E., which is, like, a program, which is, like, tries to get you to stop <laughs> smoking drugs. Like, they'd have someone come in that had, like, smoked every day for, like, the past 90 years, and they'd be like, see, if you if you, if you you do this, then you'll sound like me, right? And it was just like, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like in, in America, it's, it's sex education is so based around scare tactics, and mm-hmm. that's why we have shows like, you know, what is it, 16 and... 16 and pregnant, pregnant right? And it's just the... so ridiculous. Uh, you know, I mean, I feel like if we had... If it was just more open-ended, then we would uh, have less, you know, teen preg- pregnancies, and maybe, you know, abortion wouldn't be that such of a hot topic, you know, but it's it's so, um, I don't know, it's just so, everybody's so passionate about it all, when, you know, at least... Yeah, everyone's really passionate about their viewpoints, yeah. uh, but I don't think it's not getting anything done. Like, I know, for me, sex education was maybe three days in high school. Oh, in high we school? freshman. I think we, I, I had something in middle school, I remember, there was like just a day in middle school and I may be totally wrong on this I may not be remembering it at all Uh, but I think it was like three days in high school and we split up you know boys and girls as well which I think at the end of it you kind of have to get those boys and girls together and have this discussion together yeah you know I think yeah I think that might have actually been very now you say that I think that might have been very um, helpful because you know the first reaction for a lot of people when watching that and especially when they're young is just to laugh because it's just so ridiculous right but it makes it makes an uncomfortable situation easier yeah. Handle. Yeah, you know, no, honestly, that that is a great idea. If I were to to be able to learn about the other side of things, if you will, at that young age, I think that my perception of sex as a whole might be very different today than if it because it's very isolationist. It's like this is it's 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 only half of the story, right? You know. Yeah. So well, the reason like I've really wanted to talk about sex specifically in this episode was Peggy Ornstein just came out with her new book, Boys and Sex. She had written Girls and Sex, and one of the things that blew my mind is how different boys sex education was from girls' sex education. So boys' sex education tends to be more, like, pleasure-based. Like, you learn how to masturbate. You learn how the penis works. You learn all these things that, like, how can I pleasure myself or how can I get pleasure from having sex? Obviously, you learn about STDs and I remember getting shown those pictures. And It's just scare tactics. It's, it's scare tactics. But what I found out was girls' sex ed tends to be, you know, much more scare tactic-y. You know, I've talked to some of my female friends, you know, obviously they're not in high school anymore, so I don't know if it's changed. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they were like, maybe one mention of a clitoris. And like the clitoris no. is the only human organ or the only organ on the human body that is strictly for pleasure. And they don't even get taught that. They don't even get taught how to please themselves or any satisfaction. So it makes sense, you know, what Peggy Ornstein talks about in her book is that when girls get to the age of having sex, they have no idea how to feel good having it. And then they kind of, you know, fall on the trust of their partner, whether it be a male or a female or whatever you, um, you know, choose to be. And they're, they just have no idea what they want. So it Comes the partner that is kind of forcing their likes onto this woman, yeah. and she may not consent to those likes, but she's like, I don't know what's supposed to happen. I don't know how to feel good for myself. I'm trusting that my partner is, you know, respectful is of capable, me. Is capable. Yeah. yeah. But when you're having sex at, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, you don't know what you like. No. You don't know how to be respectful in a sexual situation no. because this is sometimes your first time. Yeah. And then, the, you know, the next thing you know, you wake up and you're parachuting out of a plane hoping to <laughs> reach completion, right? <laughs> so, someone's sucking on your toes. Yeah. Like, wow, okay. No, I mean, I think that's a very, very interesting point 
point, and you know, I didn't, I did, I had no idea. I didn't either. That's why I was like, holy crap. Wow. You know, I mean, that just, I had a lot of self pity regarding my uh, own sex ed. I could only imagine uh, what what they almost go through. I mean, you know, but so let's take it one step further. What what is to be done about it, right? Because it's such a hotbed issue. You know, I really don't. You know, given where the where, where like all where every other hotbed topic is right now, I think this one is on the back burner, right? So it really just falls on the the, the off chance that someone has very open parents and, and that they're willing to um, provide that information or a really inquisitive kid, right? Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's you know, I was really thinking about my own sex ed, and I was like, I learned a lot about sex and romantic relationships from like TV shows and movies and the internet. Well, that's terrible, right? And, like, yeah, you obviously you get a you don't have a base like where no. am i supposed to start just look up boobs and vaginas on yeah. google <laughs> images and be like all right this is where i'm starting i guess yeah um, but yeah it was like really thinking about like how can we improve sex education especially in america for me i think the first step would first off just saying like sex is okay man it's like there's why are we having these scare tactics around sex like everyone has sex me and you are here because of sex we don't want to think about what happened to make us oh please Um, no but like sex is such it's like one of the most natural things that humans do and why are we like so against it happening i don't know why are we that's a great question why are just it's so, hu- like, humans in general like across the world right just so uh, like like I know you hear about these stories all the times when communities were much smaller like people were living in single room houses the parents were having sex everyone was like more accepting of sex in like a societal manner sure like log cabin yeah like you cause know. you're they're having sex right next to you and you're like ah it's just part of making making my brother yeah like sister. you know we could use another hand on the farm it's about time <laughs> they got to it it's about time they got to it but now yeah since society is so big people become so private I think people are are kind of ashamed of having sex in, in some kind of way I think so too I think we need another 60s freedom revolution you know I think we need to really I mean we'll talk about this later but have more have more sex yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We need another Woodstock, like a successful Woodstock, like a, a healthy Woodstock. A healthy Woodstock, <laughs> yes. Like, a respectable, consensual Woodstock. Yeah, you know, I think that's actually a great comparison. Right now, we have Fire Festival, and we have like a bajillion documentaries about how terrible it was, but in the 60s when it was so much more accepting, mm-hmm. you know. But back to yes. Sam, how do we solve the sex education issue in America? I have I have no idea. I think I think there's got to well, be some. Where do we start? Maybe you know maybe what we could do is we could establish some sort of federal level of of governance on it. So just like some guidelines that need to be followed, and then if states want to elaborate on that, then they can, right? But you know I don't think there is any federal no it's thing all, it's right all now. State independent. You know I mean that's so ridiculous. I think that you know. Know, like humans owe it to themselves to not go into the world blindly. So if you maybe if the federal government was to like create a program, create an office, you know, in DC that said, okay, every state you have to, you know, in third grade you have to show the video. Maybe, you know, maybe something as simple as that. Given the limited education that I got, if I hadn't received that limited education, I can only imagine how like weird I would be today. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, what I mean. Yeah. So I think there has to be some sort of precedent. We need like a NATO of sex education, right? That's a, you know, very good. Honestly, you know, like maybe it's yeah, maybe it's like a world governing thing, like some kind of nonprofit. I think alliance. we could easily eradicate STDs within like one to two generations if we really took the time to improve our sex education. You know, teaching about outside of just the medical aspect of 
sex education, you know, yes. this is the penis, this is the vagina, teaching them about satisfaction. How do you, and grat- gratification? Gratification. Yeah. And, you know, how do you find that with yourself? How do you respect yourself? What yeah. is consent? I feel like, you know, now with like the Harvey Weinstein stuff, the Me Too movement, oh my gosh, like yes. we have this whole different idea of what consent is. I think we need to now be teaching consent in schools. I was really thinking about, I was trying to come up with my um my plan when I'm president on sex Your dissertation, education. yes. I yes. feel like it should be introduced. Yeah, definitely young. You know, this is a school, a parent's thing, you know, I don't think we can change the media, as we'll talk about in the next story. But parents also need to be like, hey, man, that's your that's your penis or that's your vagina or, <laughs> yeah. you know, just using those words. It's like, yes. that's just anatomically correct. And then, you know, the schools, you know, introducing it, you know, maybe middle school because middle school age, maybe introducing like a week. And then in high school, having a full on year of sex education. Yes. There's so many things that you can discuss when it comes to sex ed. So many things about just like understanding what sex is, what's like its purpose and why it is a part of this world. And yeah. I think really not just like a week of home act, but an entire year of just really hammering home, hey, this is how you be safe. This is how you respect your partner. This is how you respect yourself. This is how you find things that are safe for you to do. And really setting up young, impressionable kids with a good idea of, hey, this is how it should be. Yes. I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the, um, it's kind of int- funny, if not just at least uh, interesting, but the the class that I learned the, mo- the most about sex was, was in college and it had almost nothing to do with human sex. So it was called um, the biology of sex. And we literally talked about so many different kinds of of animals and you know insects and you know like I don't know like ever like pretty much everything and it was like all these different methods of, re- of reproduction and it was so so fascinating and I learned more about hu- the 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 science of human sex during that class than I had ever before right and so you know I mean I think it would be absolutely easy to fill a year with, with with sex topics we're not so different from everything outside that's you yeah. know fucking right. So it's no, it's like, not. It's like, and you don't, like, it doesn't always have to be, you know, about sex. It can be, like, like I said, yes. about consent. Like, spend a freaking week on what the clitoris is. Guys out there, it does exist. Trust me, take some time to find it. Um, <laughs> but, like, spending just, I mean, it, yeah, there's, like, plenty of content you could fill within a year. And I think it would be one of the most helpful things to eradicate STDs and also, you know, bring down teen pregnancy and really be responsible with sex. Like, go ahead, have casual sex all you want, but be responsible with it. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that would be really interesting to look up and see the rates of STDs throughout history and how, you know, even given the limited education that is in schools now, how they've been increasing or decreasing throughout time. I definitely will look it up and add it to our correction corner. Yeah, I I really wonder if it would be possible to eradicate everything. I I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't, right? Why wouldn't it? Yeah. If, you know, we have the education about it, if we have um, medication for it is getting better. I mean, I've never gotten gonorrhea. I want to make that very clear. But you can get that cleared (laughs) up in like a week. You know what I mean? Yeah. But just like understanding this is what could possibly happen or you know just really having a good basis on std std and what it is and i think would definitely help at least bring down the amounts it happens i mean it would totally bring it down i just yeah. I, i'd just be interested to see like a projection of yeah, how, how long it would take 
look yeah. that up. Um, I would like to welcome back musician, manager, and interviewer Sam Walsh. Today's episode of Water Cooler Talk, you can follow Sam's adventure on his Instagram at Walsh underscore 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 three Ooh. underscores. Uh, you can also take a listen to his music collection of personal songs at callmewalsh.com. We can expect the conclusion of the personal music journey with the release of Four Force uh, March 21st. March right? 21st is when it goes live on the website. Yes. yes. Sam, once again, welcome to Water Cooler Talk. Thank you. Thank you. So thank what you. can we what can we expect from Four Force stylistically that we didn't get in the other the other Stylistically? Thing? What does Sty- that mean? Stylistically. Oh, stylistically. 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 Um, well, you know, I think this is the most poppy of the four that I've ever put out. And I want to make something clear. So it's called Four Force because there are three other EPs, right? So this yes. is like a collection of, of EPs and it's finally coming to the to an end. And I want, you know, I wanted to write about like 30 songs before I graduated, but we're a little bit past that limit. But it's done, right? So I've been, I have been in the past couple weeks, couple months, whatever, going back and really listening to one fourth, one half, three fourths. And, you know, if this one isn't more poppy, then it is just definitely more well produced. Like the drums sound tighter. All of the instruments are much better recorded. Um, Everything just is so clearer. I think the visions of the songs come through much more in a lot of the, in a lot, especially in three fourths. I felt like going back and listening that, you know, that I'd listen to a song and be like, you know, it was almost there, but it just didn't hit the mark. Like there's something there, but I just, you know, at the end I didn't finish it. So on this one, I think that these songs are much more polished and shiny and, um, you know, it's, and then they're just more upbeat in general, which I think is, uh, pretty interesting. So, um, well, yeah, it's, I mean, I was like listening to one force, two force, three force. Yeah. You can, yeah, definitely tell that there's this like increase in, you know, the vision. I think that's such a good way yeah. to describe it. The vision, the tightness of it, the skill of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's, this is Sam growing up, his music growing up and then personally just growing up throughout music. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Like in uh, in one-fourth, uh, the, the, the lyrics are just half just so blunt and so not creative. But being blunt is creative <laughs> in its own way, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's something to be said about that. But they're just so angsty, right? And now on this one, the, the lyrics, I think, are just, just miles ahead. They're just yeah. beautiful and they're poetic and all this stuff and yada, yada, yada. I just, it, it, there is a very, very clear transgression of, you know, pretty much every aspect. And on this one, I it worked with more musicians as well to help complete the project. So there's, you know, I mean, slowly realizing that, you know, any project is better with more eyes on it, right? And this one, I really feel, it felt like I kind of came into my own in terms of being better at collaborating, when to give and when to take. And, you know, and, and on the other ones, I really felt like it was so much of the responsibility was left on me that, you know, I had more of an impact on the work than I maybe should have. I should have kind of handed it off to people. So yeah. that's what I also really like about this one. You know, this one, more than any of the others, feels like it's not just mine. It's, you know, everybody that worked on on it so does this one feel more personal to you because it's kind of the end of this journey yes in the sense that in the last couple weeks of mixing and mastering it the, everything was done and I was like, well, it's not really done. Like, there's something more I can do. Because, like, once I signed off on this one, then it's done, done, right? Like, then the whole, the one whole, if you will, of the four-fourths, it's it's complete. So I've been having a harder time letting this one go than the other ones. Because there's, I don't know what's going to come after this, right? So now I have to figure that out. But there was always this reassur- reassurance that, you know, when I finished one-fourth, okay, now on to one-half or 
two fourths or whatever. You know, there was always if if I if I wasn't able to complete a vision on one fourth, then I could always make it up in the next one. And I don't have that uh, on four fourths. Yeah, what, you I, what, feel like this is like your swan song, and you have to like nail it. This almost. is it exactly yeah. right. So you know now that that's what I've been dealing with the past couple of weeks is you know kind of figuring out my game plan how to go from here, right? Because all this stuff is just up on this website. It's not up on Bandcamp or on SoundCloud or yeah or on um, Spotify, right? And I did that because uh, you know I was in school and I didn't want I didn't want it to really be out there because I knew if I was in school I couldn't finish, I couldn't produce the best product that I could. So now I have to figure out you know which of the top six to ten songs that I that I that I like are the best ones on there, and then I'll rewrite those in the next year or so. But are you planning to go back at all and like remaster? Oh yeah. I don't know if that's the correct yeah, terminology. Re- really? No, like well, yeah, like redo completely. So like so the so now what I want to do, and this is what I'm struggling with now. So if any of you listening have any input at all, please let me know. I want to pick now the top six, and there there are 32 songs on this. The, the top six or the top ten, if there are ten good ones, and I want to completely redo that all in a real studio, not my home studio, with with a full band this time. So it's not just me writing these things with better synths, better drum recordings. I need to find an actual vocalist because that's been the one position that's been kind of flopping around. There are several different vocalists on the whole thing, so it's never consistent. I need to find someone like that. So, But yeah, I have to go back and find the top six, finalize it, and then put out an actual first EP on Spotify, right? Or so, you know, actually yeah. out there to the world. So I mean, I'll I'll throw my voice into the ring. Yeah, please do. <laughs> oh, you mean to uh, to, uh, <laughs> to to do be some the, singing. the lead singer? Yeah, to well, be the lead singer. Well, you can't just be. You can't just. Have you listened to the theme song of the show? I have listened <laughs> to the theme song on the show. Amazing. We'll talk after. <laughs> we'll talk after. All right. All right. Once again, listeners, if you are interested in hearing more about Sam and watching him live his life to the fullest, you can do so by following him on Instagram at Walsh underscore 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 three underscores also if you're enjoying the hell out of this conversation once you finish need a little more sam and adam in your life you can listen to his previous appearance on water cooler talk titled wall e marathon where we talk about sexist technology so far we're one story in what's been something that you that's that looks feels different about the show from your first time about on. the show I don't know I think we're both a little bit more confident in our answers True. and uh, being in front of a microphone um, yeah I think you know do you have the date on that the old show actually I'm kind of yeah. curious I, I really want to know how long ago that was I guess you know I just I just know what to expect this time around you know you never know when you're going into something new uh, if you're gonna come out alive you know especially when it's recorded in the basement <laughs> so uh, now that I'm still uh, alive and kicking I feel much more confident that I'll be able to go out and get a burger after this than I it was before October eighteenth, twenty eighteen. Okay, so two years ago. Yeah, so yeah, yeah coming up on two and a half years up ago, on a year and a half maybe, right? No, it's twenty twenty right now. But it'd be but come, oh yes, you're so right. It, in October eighteenth, sure. it'll be two years. Yes, you're correct. So okay. coming up on a year and a half, about. It feels like so much longer. It has felt like I actually thought it was like a lot. You had come in like a lot sooner than October eighteenth. I thought really? it was like definitely last year. You know, one of the things about. The Walsh project that I had no idea that that, that 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 this would happen was that because it's split up mathematically, it has 
separated my life so much. So when I think of mm. one fourth, I think of that period of time so precisely. Now then one half and then three fourths. So everything is chopped up. I think I was working on one half okay. when I would, or that would have been, yeah, it would probably would have been one half. It was the more, it was the more, definitely it was like a more synthy techno. I think that was one half. Okay. Yeah. So, or, or three fourths, but like regardless, I hadn't started on this last one. So like, yeah. it's just, that's so interesting. To well, me yeah. That Cause we just like got lunch, like a few weeks ago and we're like yes. wow it's been a while because we've just been so busy with other things yes time moves so fast that's a good it's problem horrible. to have it is horrible <laughs> yes all right let's jump into our second news story of the day people who watch more tv find thinner women more attractive even in remote nicaraguan communities this is from the british psychological society a team led by lintha boothroyd from the university of durham has published a set of data that suggests tv exposure does drive both men and women towards finding thinner female bodies more attractive. The team studied residents of seven villages in the remote southern Caribbean coast autonomous region of Nicaragua. And at the time of the study, these people had no access to magazines and generally little to no access to the internet. Uh, Just for clarity, the government has over the past decade been gradually extending the electricity grid to make TV viewing possible. Since those who live in these remote villages tend to be mostly substance farmers and fishermen with relatively poor food security, it has been suggested that these communities tend to find fleshier people more attractive as it can be seen as a sign of wealth and good health, kind of like uh, old English kings. To compare results, Linda and her team took a similar method of collecting data from people with regular TV access, those who have watched Latin American soap operas and Hollywood movies. Uh, From their results, they found two factors that emerged as being associated with a preference for thinner bodies among females. The first factor being level of education. Those with a higher level of education have spent time studying in larger towns, which, you know, would contain a university, and thus have more exposure to Western media. The other factor being TV exposure. Within the same ethnic group, groups, non-TV viewers preferred a woman with a BMI up to five points higher than TV viewers. As we discussed in our last episode, an average BMI is between 18.5 and 24.9 for healthy adults. Yeah, five BMI is a, is a, a, is, big, is a decent amount of a weight. Bump. Right, I think for me, and I am 5'9 for reference, uh, healthy, so 18 BMI is like 140. Yes. 24 or 25 BMI is about one. 85 Mm -hmm. around there so that's 45 pounds that is a lot of weight right yes yeah i'm the 510 i think i'm i just went to the doctor i think i'm a bmi of like 23 or 24 if i was up 29 i would be considered over just almost onto that overweight i mean it's got to be yeah i mean that's got to be another 50 pounds right like like that is a big difference yes as stated from the data the data strongly suggests visual media may be pushing preferences below the healthy optimum in neutrally vulnerable population such as ours these remote villages for an example if a villager prefers a partner with a bmi of 22.5 and after a bad fishing season, they fall below the healthy BMI range, that partner could develop health risks, which in turn could impact their usefulness for the next food gathering season. Uh, Sam, I want to ask you this. The study was done from just over 300 participants. Um, you know, obviously, it's a remote village. There's not a lot of people out there, uh, which in research, I think you have to have over 500 for it to be considered an ad- adequate 
sample size. Um, with that in consideration, do you agree or disagree with the findings of Linda and her team at the University of Durham? You know, I, th- you know, in in research, like like just this headline comes off as so ridiculous because it's because it, you know the the headline is people who watch more TV find thinner women more attractive, comma even in remote Nicaraguan communities, and it's like why does that matter? What what community they come from? But like like after reading it, I find I, I think that the research is valid. I think that it's it'd be you know it's it'd be almost impossible anywhere in America to find someone who has little to no exposure to TV ever in their lives before. So the fact that these people are so isolated and then this experiment is introduced, then the subject matter is introduced, really gives a unique perspective on humans as a whole uh, and what, how, like how um, visuals of any kind, whether it's a magazine, media, I guess, media or uh, like a magazine or a TV show, um, shapes their perception of what is attractive in terms of weight, right? So I do think it's valid. I also think that it'd be very difficult you know, I mean, I think they said, well, you know, one village had 31 people in it or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, so if one village has 31 people, then you need to survey 10 different villages. It's not like you can go to like a 500 person village. Yeah, right? it's not and like then, there's these, a lot of these remote villages that first no. off want to be in the study or no. be even be contacted. Yeah, and I think that that just kind of highlights how difficult and how pervasive media is, you know, because in order to actually conduct this study, they had to go to the extreme in remoteness. They couldn't have just gone to, like, a third world country, you know, like, say, Guatemala, right? Like, even if though it's third world, there's still media everywhere in the cities, right? It's very city city dominant, right? So they had to go to like like the, the absolute middle of nowhere where there's nothing, right? Like, where like electricity is something that's new and exciting there, you know? That just kind of blows my mind. So well, yeah, I think that's a good point when you really think about it. I would imagine ni- at least 90% of the world is somewhat connected to a source of media that can influence their yeah. decisions. I would, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I, be higher than I would go higher. I really would. You know, I think it'd be very difficult or, or you know, maybe not media, but maybe electricity, mm-hmm. right? Maybe access to media. Like, so if they wanted it, they could have it. Cause I think that there are communities that just don't, like the Amish feel that don't purposefully seek it out. You yeah, know what I mean? So, yeah. Because I know, like, when I was in Africa and we were driving in, like, the more lower rural areas, like, they still had papers and magazines yeah. and they didn't have, you know, TV and electricity and, you know, um, the internet, but they still had magazines. They still knew who Jennifer Aniston was. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. But you don't, everyone is very, we're in a very connected world. Yes. Um, so I definitely, I do, I do, to answer the question, I do agree with the study. Media is very, very influential to the human condition. Hollywood, you know, they t- specifically mentioned Latin American soap operas because there's very curvy women. I thought that was interesting. I know. Um, but yeah, that I'm like, we've definitely changed our perception of what an attractive female is. Even also, you know, the study only mentions women, but men as well. Oh, of course. You know, you I look mean, at these like hunky men with six packs, and you're like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> no, I, 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 I could not agree more. I think that, uh, you know, that, you know, Hollywood's always portrayed attractive people 
they've always had the the priority. You know, I do think that only recently, I'd say, you know, in the past 20 years that we've begun to see a movement of more acceptance across uh, everything from ethnicity to weight to thinness or, or to uh, um, gender, right, I guess. So, so now, you know, there are many more shows where there are bigger people in them. And even in advertisements, like if you go to Target, there's a ton of advertisements like, like people from all walks of life. life. I just saw a picture online where there was this little boy shopping for clothes and there was on a big ad above like the clothes there was like a kid in a wheelchair and like how great is that so you know it's not to say that everybody is succumbing to this but I you know I mean it's definitely the norm and also like a less reliance on Photoshop I don't like this is like a very specific example but Victoria's Secrets versus Rihanna's Fenty brand like Victoria's Secret their stocks are dropping because it's this like non ideal situation of what the female body is and Rihanna is just like yo this is what women look like and this is who I'm selling to and her stocks have been skyrocketing like crazy where Victoria's Secret say they cancel their fashion show but you know I mean even that is not like like Rihanna's brand I, I you know it's I get I mean it's that's about as mainstream as it gets but it's not it doesn't I don't think it has the budget that I don't know like a giant fashion brand whatever it's 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 a boutique brand it's run by one person right it's not Target or it's not yeah. Walmart mm-hmm. pushing their clothes so you kind not of a corporation exactly you know and so for these people that are just being exposed to media for the first time fine you know i mean finding that would be much more difficult than just turning on the tube and watching a soap opera and it's definitely you know when you really think about you know why does hollywood why do these soap operas use these perceptions of people people like seeing attractive people like i just this is perfect i just watched the newest episode of curb and okay like the whole conflict of the episode was there's this restaurant and they had an attractive seating area and they had an ugly seating area <laughs> and like from a marketing standpoint I that's get hilarious that. like yes. i get why you would put the attractive people in the front of the restaurant in the nice seats where people can see these attractive people and you kind of put the ugly people in you know the back seats like <laughs> i get that from a marketing perspective because people are drawn to good looking things yeah i mean it's just like you don't put you know the the oh this sounds so terrible but you'd play like if you had like a a bakery or something you put, wouldn't put the blemish donuts in the front you want to yeah. you want to sell your product <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what i mean so and quite frankly i think that the the product of a soap opera is more the people than it is the story right or anything like that i mean like come on you know i mean it's just the well i mean like you even know in the music industry there's so many musicians so many bands trying to make it yes and you can very easily see like there's a lot of attractive people in music that are very rich and successful oh it's just ridiculous and you know some some people would even say that that's half of the battle that's like the number one rule for a boy band, right? Everybody has to be smoking hot, and then the, um, it's almost like the music comes second, mm-hmm. right? It's like you have to be hot, then you have to be able to dance, and then we'll talk about the music, right? Because anybody can write a song and give it to someone else and yeah. be like, hey, you know, just perform this. You know, like half the reason you're here is just eye candy. You know, you you mentioned the uh, the the viewpoint of old English people right and how and you know this article talks about how um how they viewed before and after right and prior like thicker people were 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 viewed as more attractive and i think that's very interesting you know it's kind of like a real recurrent example of what you know i've personally read in the history books where it's like you know back in the day if you were fat then that was a sign of luxury it was a sign that you had free time to be able to sit around and you had excess food I think is the number one thing, right? Mm. But nowadays it's like uh, 
being fat is considered lazy. It's considered it's unhealthy and being skinny and tan, being out in the sun, right? I, because that, you have time to go to the gym. Yes, then. you have time to be leisurely versus, you know, and also you remember pale was a very attractive yes. thing back mm-hmm. in the day because it meant that they were out of the sun. Yes, they, they weren't working they, in the they, fields. They weren't working, right? So, But nowadays being outside... There aren't a lot of office jobs outside, you know what yeah. I mean? So, like, getting that tan, being thin is hotter now in, in you know, in the, I don't know, since... Have we have we had this conversation before? Like, I just got, like, a big deja vu moment. Like, we've had this conversation. I don't know. Because I remember, like, exa- like, as you're walking through it, I was like, this is exactly what you said last time. I I'll, On the last podcast, I you might, think? I have to, like, I only listened to portions of the last podcast. I'll have to listen to the whole thing because I feel like we've had this conversation before. I just had, like, a, such a crazy deja vu Maybe moment. we were, I don't know, maybe we should quit our day jobs and just talk about <laughs> pale fat people all day. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, yeah, it's, you know, perception and the idea of being successful has changed. And people are, you know, as we'll talk about in the next story, people are attracted to successful people. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, I love, I mean, I'm a very romantic, I love love, but it's like, at the end of the day, you want someone who makes you better. You want someone who has their shit together. You don't want a, a project. No, I think that's so, I think you just hit it right on the head there. You know, it wasn't necessarily about them being fat or pale. It was that they were successful, mm-hmm. right? And so when these people are subjected to a new definition of successful people, essentially, because everybody on a soap opera, it seems that like they're that they've lived in Silicon Valley for the past twenty years, yeah. and then, then they have enough time for all this. Yes, drama it's in their like life. come on, like what are they doing? They're not you going know, to work. and so I, you know, I think that's so interesting, actually, that that it's the perception of success and the physical attribute uh, attributes that are associated with it in comparison to just the physical attributes on their own. You know, but this is the interesting thing in this village. They perceive people with more weight to be sexier because that means they've been able to secure more food. Before. But they see these images of Western media women. And they changed the BMI down five points. Sure, so, sure. So it's so, so. So for this example, success. They're not viewing these women, thinner women, from a successful angle. They're being like, oh, they're more attractive because they're thinner. Even though that means, you know, as I said, you know, if a partner went below that range, they would be less helpful in the next sure. gathering season. Well, it's the it's the importance that they place on the media, then, isn't it? Right, because they could go all in and say, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that that's the power of it right mm. that they watch a season of a soap opera and all of a sudden that becomes their new norm when in real life you know they might spend 90 percent of their day going out and working and then and then the heavier people are stronger right, mm. right? more help right but then they watch 10 minutes of the soap opera and it like brainwashes them when i think you, you see know, what i'm saying i guess i do yeah, yeah, I yeah, get, yeah like attraction is such like a deeply rooted thing in our minds that like if you see something attracted like attractive like you're just drawn to it you kind of have to figure out what's the influence of the outside world on that there's you know like you know celebrities for example like that are i just you know you just find very attractive but like what's where's that influence what what's in that subconscious yeah you know, well, why are you attracted to mathematically that person wh- why specifically? is it because they're thin and skinny or is it because they're successful going back right. to you know you learning about animal sex and you know me learning about animal sure. sex when you want to procreate with someone you're looking for the best 
attributes of that person. That's why, you know, like yes. when I talk about trophy hunting and culling, you're taking out bad genetics from that DNA pool. So it's only good genetics. So I think, you know, just human nature wise, that person, you know, I view as someone who our brood could be super <laughs> successful, could be better than me. Sure. And I think that's like a, just a primal idea of attraction. I think so. I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, to kind of prove that point, people are taller now than they are because we're like yeah. naturally selecting for taller people because, you know, the taller someone is, the more they're perceived as being able to defend and stronger, right? You know, better to defend someone else, to protect someone and better, well, better worker, you know, even though that might not be the case, especially now when most jobs are done on keyboards, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, I don't know, very, very interesting. Very well, interesting. like I've been, so I've been listening to like a lot of sex podcasts in the last week. So it's just been a very interesting topic. And one of the things they bring up is who drives like the ideals for like a woman or a man. And sure. they mentioned that most of the time it tends to be the same sex. So a woman is creating uh... the idea of what she thinks she needs to be to attract a partner, a man the same aspect. Where do you stand on that? No, no, that's very interesting. You know, I, I uh Or do you think it's a combo? No, I, I think that it is mainly driven by same sex uh comparisons. Right. Like I look at you and I think that Nord to find, I mean, I have to be better than you, right? Yeah. Whereas the girls, like, they could go either way. That's yeah, a good point. Right, though? So, I don't know. It's, I don't really know. Like, I know of that idea, but I don't really know enough well, think, about it, I feel like, to have like, an accurate... I think what you said was a very good point. It's like, we're competing... Against each other, against essentially, each other. for I a mate. Yes. be better than you. Yes. Whereas, you know, a female came in... She would just be able to be like, oh, I prefer that or that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that we we uh, place too much importance on what we think of the same sex and not what the opposite sex would think yeah. of. So maybe, you know, someone like, yeah, so maybe we should. I uh, think there is like influence from the opposite sex or from whatever, you know, sex you prefer. You can kind of think about makeup, for example. At the end of the day, I don't care if you have makeup on or not. Yeah, me uh, but there's like, there is a line where it's like, oh, if it's too much makeup, like I'm going to be less attracted. I, f- I feel like natural women, they're fine. Whatever. Do it. Just do it natural, man. But I can definitely see how women or even men who wear makeup tend to do that for themselves like they want to perceive themselves as looking better because they believe that's how someone should look yeah right yeah yes it's very interesting and then you know i mean that i think affects you pretty much like uh, a a lot of what we do right Mm. like i would you know talking going back to thinness i think that a lot of people work out solely for the reason to be more attractive not for the betterment of their selves like all the health benefits that come with it but to be perceived as more attractive yeah, right. Of course. And, and this goes on, you know, this is like, you know, like Instagram culture, all this stuff. Uh, like, are, is that person really working out to reduce their risk of heart disease or are they working out so that they get 20 more likes on Instagram? Well, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, you know, in this, like we're in this business where looks matter. It's the truth. It's like, I know that's, I can hide behind a mic. So yeah. Like we're doing right now. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, <laughs> kind of sidestepping it. But like, I know just for example, like just think about this episode, right? Sure. So we're talking about sex. I'll probably title it something with sex. People are going to be more attracted to that idea because they're like, oh, that's an interesting kind of sexier, more, I don't know, interesting idea, I guess, is mm-hmm. the um, basis of that. Then if I was just like, oh, you know, let's talk about 
sucking toes. I guess people would be interested in that. So that was a bad example. <laughs> no, but I, I understand. But you know what I, I get? I like understand. people well, well, like, are yeah. drawn to these more attractive. It'd be it'd be pamphlets versus sex, yeah. right? 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 Mm-hmm. And sex, sex would be yes, that's perfect. Sex would sell a million times over. Yeah. But you know, like that's the that's the the damning thing, I guess, to wrap this like to go come full circle. Mm-hmm. The one. Th- so I just graduated with a degree in uh, journalism with a focus in advertising. Right? We like we don't really know a lot about the psychology. Of advertising, but what we do know is that sex sells. It's always sold, and it will forever sell in every form. So, I don't know. It's just it's it's primordial. You know what I mean? It's just. But but I you know I think going back to like the uh, people who watch more TV find thinner w- women more attractive. I wonder. You know, I just I just wonder if that's because of just something in our monkey brains. Yeah, that's I mean, like, it's just got to be so ar- archaic. You know, not to bring Joe Rogan into this <laughs> podcast, but he's always going on about when nothing. Yeah. But chimpanzees and exactly that's it, you know. We're so like primal driven yes. people. I think that's a good transition though, because let's go into our last story. Which I think is so. all about sex and porn. America's sex recession could lead to an economic depression. Forget trade wars, automation, and even the skills gap. The real threat to the U.S. economy may be that fewer Americans are in the mood to have sex. Since 2012, researchers have noticed younger adults, specifically younger unemployed men who are living at home, tend to have less sex. Millennials who are now entering into adulthood have frequently stated that economic security is a high priority when they seek marriage or a serious committed relationship. Both relationships consist of a higher frequency of sex compared to a single individual. But with an economy that has been settled growing since the Great Recession, the drop in sex and marriage rates cannot be contributed to a weakened economy, but it can be responsible for a weakening economy overall. With the advancements of specifically online porn, sophisticated video games, and a world connected through social media, we have seen a withdrawal from in-person human relationships. The male tendency to seek out these substitutes over interactions with a sexual partner may be the single biggest reason why sex and marriage rates are dropping. A Cornell University study shows that women are still more likely to be attracted to and want to marry men with stronger economic prospects. Women still find a wealthier and healthier man more attractive, like we just talked about. So as a man, instead of working hard to improve your lot in life, you can easily find that same satisfaction and gratification by using substitutes such as porn, video games, and other such technologies. Researchers say this is one of the main contributing factors behind the multi-billion dollar race to create an ultra-realistic sex robot industry. (laughs) In good news, the decline in sex has meant fewer unwanted teenage pregnancies and is giving relief to the economy to course correct and to be an example of increased national responsibility. But... For men in their 20s and beyond, the sex recession appears to be a symptom of a delayed entrance into the world of fully responsible adulthood and pursuing adult relationships. Declining sex rates are a sign of a corresponding decline in the adult relationship that strokes acceptance for the cost of dating to the cost of the trappings of the domestic family life. The drop in sex rates may be the clearest sign yet that tech's challenges to modern love might be the biggest economic threat of all. Sam, I want to ask you just straight up. Yeah. Do you disagree or agree with this story? I, I agree with it. Okay. I, I think I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but first of all, I think that it's hilarious that they mentioned video games. Video games will be the downfall of uh, sex. And second of all, to throw it back to what we talked about, sex education, if this keeps going, then we won't need any sex education because we won't be having any sex. <laughs> right? That's true, yeah. So we could save a ton of money, right, if we just all agree to go... Our 
artificial and then just like never talk about <laughs> it at all, right? I think that's just hilarious. I um yeah. It's interesting that you agree because I dis I think this article is complete bullshit. Why? For, I get like I definitely agree that technology is affecting sex rates, but I do not like the I think the main point of this argument is like we're having less sex so the economy is in despair. I don't think that's true. I think, you know, really putting the fate of the economy on reproduction is probably not the smartest thing. It's like you're kind of from what I understood the article to say is they're like have more kids so we can have more people spending in the economy. Well, no, I mean I think that so I, I think, outside of like the technology affecting sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what so what did you say? You said it was um, the economy is bad. So or no the people the the even with it? the economy improving since the Great Recession, yes. people are having less sex. But researchers found that like people want economic security, so we have this economic security. No, that's the thing. I think there's delayed economic security, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So if you look at, and that's why, so everybody's so stressed out right now. If you look at the rates of, you know, people in their twenties buying homes, buying buying property uh, compared to, um, we'll say, I don't know, before. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would bet it's been going down steadily for a very long time. I would say about since the eighties or nineties, right? Uh, or and if you look at at the amount of kids, I know this for a fact, our age, you know, we'll say 24, right, that are still living with their parents or not living alone, it's like higher than ever, right? So there's, so there's less freedom right now. And with less freedom, I think there's always some risks when you live with someone else. Um, you're less willing to bring uh, another relationship into that mix. So it's just there's so much hesitation right now. I, I feel like everybody is so frustrated in a way in a, in, a, in a way you know when it comes to their own economic stability their living situation and then in turn the amount of sex that they're having i definitely get that point it's like i don't feel like i can barely feed myself how am i supposed to go out with on a date and exactly romanticize this woman or this man and we're not going to have sex because i'm not comfortable in my own economic security i'm not comfortable enough to add on someone to that yes and uh, you know i mean you look at the rate of children it was being born in, in uh, you know, I think all across the world, I think it's falling, you know, b- because people's it's growing. It's people, growing by like 1.3%. I, I'd be interested to see what it was growing at before. Because I think right? there, that, was, yeah, it, was it always 1.3% or was it getting? I don't know, I'll have to check it, but I think I know that um, they're expecting in the next 30 years for the world population but to be between 9 to 11 billion people. Okay, interesting. you know, we're growing exponentially. Yes, it's always been exponential. And we have this overpopulation problem. And that's why I think we need to have less kids. You know, that's why I think sex education is important. Yes. Because there's way too many people in this world. And, you know, what if we just kind of chilled for a bit, man? What if we were just like, (laughs) you know, let's maybe... I think a lot of kids... A lot of, you know, millennials are waiting until their mid-30s to 40s to have economic security yes. to start having kids because then those kids can grow up in a place where they have economic security and then their kids have economic security. Because I don't want to bring up, I can't afford to have a kid. No. That I, kid's going to have a horrible childhood. I wouldn't imagine that. And, you know, something that I think is also definitely impacting the um, amount of sex we're having and definitely if people are debating on whether or not bringing a kid into this world is the current climate crisis right i feel like we're in such the we're in such a gray area right now on the future of the planet you know i think the next 5 to 10 years will really really determine the 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 next 100 years so i've talked to several people about this topic and they just don't feel comfortable you know why would i bring someone into this world that's just going to be slopping shit for their whole life I don't want that 
for myself. I don't want that for people younger than me, right? You know, I think that's definitely a factor. Well, yeah, I want to bring my kids up in a world I feel comfortable with. Yeah, so why would I bring someone, why would I bring a baby into a burning building? You know, I just yeah, that's wouldn't, a, that's right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's like, you know what, maybe if we stop, you know, having kids not all together stopping, I think that would be very yeah. deadly. Um, but just like slow it down a bit, you know, lower those unemployment rates. Let's get those to zero. Everyone gets a job. Everyone, yes. you know, that's how you improve the economy. It's not by having more kids so there's more people contributing to the economy. It's smarter people contributing to the economy. Agreed. It's building a solid base and that's, I think, where I disagree with this story. It's just, you know, I don't think we should be having more kids to help the economy. I think we should be slowing down to help the economy. But I do agree with the technological standpoint of this article on, like, yesterday, last night, I played Skyrim for, like, four hours. <laughs> I could have gone out and went you to the bar been. and met the love of my life. You're right. You could have But been. I was like, I'm just, you know, I got all these mods on it. It's, like, realistic as hell. It's a yeah. fun time. Well, I think, yeah, let's explore that for a sec. So do you think that, you know, Wally, we talked about Wally yeah, last mm-hmm. time, remember, you know, so do you think there, like, 500 years from now, artificial insemination will be the only... Way, way to go. I could easily see it. Be, be, because if, because I mean, if we're so willing to spend, to dump time into artificial lives right now, um, and the, the technology is only going to get better, right, I could see there being a correlation between the amount of sex that we're having and the amount of times time spent playing video games. So as technology goes up in video games, the amount of time we're going to be having sex, real sex, yeah. I guess, well, goes down, me, like, right? ask you this time. Like, we are both too attractive of men. Of course. So like, you know, <laughs> women, you know, as this study says, as Cornell says, they're attracted to us. Yes. Uh, but if you're someone that, you know, you have trouble getting relationships and then this video game maker comes out and be like, hey, this is, you can create your perfect life in this. Why would you not choose that over getting rejected? I don't know why you wouldn't choose it. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's, uh, what is it, dopamine response? Yeah. It's endorphins, right? So if you can find, it doesn't even have to be video games. It could be parachuting, right? Exactly. Sucking on toes. Sucking on toes. So no kink shaming. No kink. If, you, you, want, if, if you, you like it, you like it. If you're flexible enough, you can suck on your own toes. Then you Ooh, really don't I have think, to I think, do anything. Yeah, that, I don't know. I don't, maybe. Maybe <laughs> I, I'm sure someone's really into sucking on their own toes, and that's okay. Oh, I don't want to even think about that. Um, but as long as those chemicals are being released in the brain, as long as you're being happy, then what's the actual difference of it? I guess you could argue the physicality of it. You know, mm. human touch is, I think, very, very important um, to, to just, you know, it can go as simple well, that's as, like, as a, as a yeah, hug, they talk right? about the multi-billion dollar sex robot industry. Like, right. as soon as they get a realistic sex robot, it's over for you girls. It's over for everyone. It's not That's true. Just, We're just gonna see a complete decline. This is not a, a one-sided debate, right? That's you true. Know, yeah. I think that that's yeah. very true. Yeah. <laughs> well, so um, the story mentions the idea that young men are to blame for a current sex recession. You know, ki- sure. uh, young men that don't have jobs that live at home. As a young man yourself, is there a validity to these claims? You know, I. I don't know the actual hard statistics on this, but I, you know, I think we all are aware of the current incel problem. The yep. the the, uh, the 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 men who choose to take a really toxic viewpoint towards women and just it's just atrocious, right? And I don't think that that movement should be taken lightly. I, you know, I mean, meaning that you know, I, I we we don't see that same viewpoint against men from women. 
women on the other side. It's certainly not as prevalent, right? There aren't there aren't women incels shooting up schools, right? That you know, and so I don't know. I, I do think it is kind of one sided right now. So, um, so yeah. I mean, what do you what what do you think about the whole? Thing? I definitely. I had that like thought that a lot of people have. It's like. <sighs> It's like some tweet or something. I don't know who it's from, but basically saying like it's easy to be and no slut shaming in this, but it's easy to be. A, it's a lot easier to be a slut than it is to be a player. Oh, sure, interesting. I think that's a tweet out there somewhere. Well, I wonder if that 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 there's a correlation between that mentality and being an incel. That's a good point. They feel like it's it's the women's fault that they're not getting laid because yeah. in their minds they're perfect, right? Mm-hmm. But in reality, they're just like they so don't have sweaty. Those social... Like yes, they lack social skills. They they uh, you know the the stereotype is that they never bathe. Right, mm. stuff like that, but yeah, interesting. Well, I, I can definitely, I can definitely see, like, even in that example I share, it's like, you know, instead of going to the bar, I spent four hours playing Skyrim. Yeah, instead of you going know, on, I don't know the, you know, I don't know the hard statistics off the. Uh, correction corner it but I would imagine most men tend to be video game players or most men like the higher amount of people playing video games is probably it's a male I would assume a male dominated I, field I, I believe it is a male dominated field there are th- there are certainly more people making video games yeah. that are men you know so I, I mean then they make video games whether they like it or not catered towards their you know, subconscious, right? Yeah. Right. So, so built for men. So, I mean, it's a product for men, built by men mm-hmm. that does nothing of value but consume time. Yeah. That's literally like, like you know, I love video games just as much as the next person. I've sunk you know thousands of hours into certain games, yeah. and but you know, um, like, what do we do it for? It's literally nothing. It's pixels on a screen that can be deleted like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, it, we really do. You really don't learn a whole lot from it. Now, there is the argument. That there are definitely social interactions that have flourished and have on like been an online platform and have been yes and yeah. maintained online, right? Skyrim maybe not because you don't get to control your own dialogue. You're not actually talking to anybody, but like oh, they have some very interactive mods. You gotta get <laughs> back so? into it. Yeah, they do. It's a very interactive mod where you can change the speech patterns. Really? Yeah, that, that's it's like that's you can't obviously. You know, choose whatever you want. But that, but, but like, but like, yeah, but like I get that. Yeah. in World of Warcraft, right? So like, World of Warcraft has its own stereotypes, and we won't get into that. But there are twenty-person group raids, and like, that's pretty impressive. That, that like, you know, you don't even have to be talking, but to be able to like sit there and cooperate, and you know, tend to chime in every once in a while, hone some of those skills. So there, so video games are not entirely at fault, you know. But I do think that they definitely contribute to this yeah. problem of non-voluntary. Celibacy, I guess is what yeah, we'll and call like it. even just speaking to the male experience, and you know, video games. They also mentioned porn. Uh, it's ninety percent of boys are exposed to some sort of porn before the age of eighteen. And like from the last story, we talked how about how, how is like sex not? is really ingrained into your mind. I remember the exact the first time I watched porn. Me too. I remember the first time I masturbated. Me too. Those are two very vivid. I do memories in my mind. That's interesting. I, I couldn't tell you what I had for dinner that day. I couldn't remember what I did for the rest of the day, but I remember the exact situation that those two scenarios happened because it's so ingrained into our brain at such a young age. And, you know, I've stopped watching porn because I even have statistics on it. 88% of porn scenes contain physical aggression. Oh, interesting. Like in a lot of, in a lot of what these pod, sex podcasts I was listening to were talking about, specifically Peggy Ornstein, I'd highly recommend anyone to check out her books, Boys and Sex, Girls and Sex, is... We have this unrealistic idea of what sex is. You go into a relationship and you've been watching this 
super aggressive porn and you assume that's what you want. Yes. You're turned on by this. You orgasm to this aggression. And when you get into a relationship, obviously a lot of that's not consensual stuff. Well, I'm wondering. And you can't get turned on by it. I'm wondering what is what are the rates of men to women? How many of those people are watching porn? Right. Like I would, you know, I, I don't know the statistics, yeah, but I'll, I, I'll look that I up, would yeah. definitely bet that it, more men watch porn th- yeah. than women. Right. Well, I think men, I think it was like I don't know the exact statistics but I think it was more men watch aggressive porn watch aggressive porn okay interesting where there's like now more female literally female friendly porn content is just like loving sex between two consenting adults. Sure. Just, that's what they consider female friendly. When that should just be everyone that's friendly. That's so terrible. So like boys growing up watching porn, you know, they have this unrealistic idea of what turns them on. And then they get in a relationship and the girl doesn't feel comfortable with that or can't provide that sort of release. And yeah. guys are like, well, I'd rather just watch porn than I guess. And I think, you know, I, be, I mean, I bet that the, like this directly correlates with sex education, right? Like mm-hmm. if we were better educated on what it should look like from a, even a young age, you would go on to a porn website and be like, whoa, that's that's not that's much. not normal. Yeah. Right. So then we would be able to scale it back. But when you're so young, you don't know what's out there. So you're just like, you see one video and you're like, oh, well, this is everything. And then after that, you know, the habit is set. I think it comes back down to sex education. It does. M- maybe, you know, yeah, kind of full circling. Maybe there wouldn't be such a scare. I mean, this, this article is on CNN, CNBC, right? So obviously a major news source. I mean, imagine how many people read this article. CNBC politics. Yes, and took it as just face value, right? Like just the headline, America's oh, yeah, sex recession could lead to an economic depression. I mean, obviously this idea isn't a niche one. It's out there. I, I, I really do wonder that if sex education nationwide was better, more profound, more uh, accepting if this headline would even exist. I don't, I don't I don't think it would. I don't think it would either. And I think even, you know, kind of finishing my porn thought, like even being taught like <laughs> consent in school, I think would be so important. Like I was really every sexual partner I've had, you know, we've had that talk. So I feel I feel confident about that. I feel like I never, you know, put somebody in a situation where they didn't want to have sex. And I may be wrong on that, but I felt it was consensual. We had a talk. We discussed it. Um, before it happened but I was listening to these podcasts and they were talking about maybe putting a hand there like a slight force here or there and if you don't have consent for that that's considered you know some sort of assault or rape or, yeah. and you really start thinking back on your sexual experiences and you're like was this something that made that other person uncomfortable I've, ha- I've had good relationships with everyone I've had a sexual relationship with you know I still talk to many of them you know outside of just a healthy friendship but I'm just I was just thinking back and I was like was I the best most respectful person I could have been you know I think it's such an absolute shame that the Me Too movement we had to have a movement mm-hmm. in order to have this conversation exactly I think of all of the civil rights and all of the activist movements throughout uh at least that i've been taught Mm -hmm. right and you know uh i just cannot believe that we're all so behind in this one subject like it's 2020 and it when did the height of the me too movement matter 2015 2016 i mean still it's it's post 2010 right like it's just absolutely ridiculous that the most education that i've had on consent had to come from people getting convicted and people having to march in the streets for I think the majority of Americans to be like whoa this is serious this is real this needs to be 
thought of more often. It's not taboo. It's not, you know, I think a lot of, I think like a lot of people thought it was weak to ask for consent. It's like, no, that has to be everything. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It just is very, very uh, sad to me that it had to come to this level to, to be actually like taken seriously. It, we should have done this a long time ago. That, you know? It should have been going back to sex ed. This should have yes. been something that's taught right away. Like, you know, I think it's good if you're kind of questioning, you know, was I the best person, best possible version of myself in the situation? Because yes. then you're really taking that other person's other person into consideration. I think that, you know, when we do talk about consent, it is, it's not, you know, I think Peggy Ornstein mentioned, I'm getting a lot of ideas. From I got to read this book, man. She's, yeah. a, she's just the way she um, breaks down. She just sat in with classes and high schools and just talked to these kids and had a conversation with these kids. But she mentioned that the gay relationship is like a good form of how we should be doing consent. Like a lot of them are very open on like asking. I think um, it is. It's like, what are you into? Forthright. What are you into? Like what? You know, you can start working from that. It's like, all right, what, you know, do you feel comfortable with? What you don't feel comfortable with? And then when you go and have sex with someone, you have a pretty clear idea of what they want. Yeah, I mean, my God, I was never taught to ask that. No, No, it was never, never never taught to ask that. My first couple of relationships, nothing. That that conversation was never discussed. And I could only imagine how much better of a person I would be today if I was taught that in third grade, like, like with that like you know archaic video that we had you know oh very interesting no yeah i think it's important to be just slow down a bit and have those conversations if you're if you're willing to put your organs into someone else's organs (laughs) i think it's i think like that's pretty awkward so if you feel awkward about having to talk about it beforehand then you probably shouldn't be having sex no right you're so uncomfortable by asking another human being that you want to put yourself inside of or they want to put you themselves inside of you and you don't want to have that conversation all right you gotta then go back to skyrim yeah go (laughs) whoa don't come at skyrim (laughs) um and then i want to finally ask this kind of get the the end up on the technology spectrum does and if so technology have a greater impact on our sex lives than other factors like just economic factors um just any other factors that could be out there affecting sex Hmm. well i'm thinking you know now technology versus like economic security which we already covered which Mm. is a big one right but then cultural yep that's cultural you know like what is accepted how how acceptable is it to be a certain level of promiscuous promiscuity right where where, where it's like Mm -hmm. you know you know you know you know i don't know i i think that i don't think that technology is the is the most of uh most important factor i think it is one that affects every single other factor technology has skewed and changed our view of what it means to be promiscuous right because someone can be very very promiscuous online but then in real life not do anything you know what i mean and i think that economic uh, success has to do with uh, like uh, electronic prowess and um and being promiscuous because if you don't have enough money for uh tin like a, f- a smartphone or whatever then then you're not going to be using it at all. But technology is like this outside factor that influences everything else. I don't think it's the main factor influencing sex. I think that's a good point. I think yeah, when you really look at 
what's influencing our decline in sex. I think there's, yeah, there's so many different factors. Like even bringing up culturally, I think that's a very good one because even they talk about like when you're in a relationship with someone, you're having sex multiple times a week. If you're younger, of course. I know once you get a little older. (laughs) um, No ageism here. Uh, coming out of heart no but it's like but when you're single you know especially in this hookup culture uh, quotations on that you know you're having less sex you're having sex with more partners but you're having less sex overall because instead of having sex three to five times a day maybe you're having sex once a week and I think you know that culturally and then the technology with having all these you know dopamine filled experiences and then yeah economically I think there is a ton of different factors that are all kind of single-handedly together having this decline in sex. Yes, but like, uh, like you know, I mean, maybe I will, though I don't want to modify what I what I said, but I, but I think that it's important to realize that also that there are several different divisions in technology that are uh, increasing or decreasing uh, like the amount of sex people are having, right? Because, I mean, you think about the gamification of sex, right? Like Tinder is, oh, yeah, that's a, good is a game. Yeah. The, like, mm-hmm. dude, it like, is. It, it, it's, it's a, like there is a satisfaction to swiping right and getting a match and there is dissatisfaction and there is satisfaction to swipe left on someone. So mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm, I'm better than you. It's passively saying I'm better than you. You know, I wanted to talk about one thing that, you know, even if you weren't having sex back in the day, to buy a porn mag, you had to go and to the register and mm. look someone in the eye and make that mutual contract that you're going to give them money for this thing that they know what you're doing with it, yeah. right? <laughs> Nowadays, it's so accessible via, it via 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 smartphone, via anything, right? Like, like you could, you know, probably load up. You know, I mean, you could. I mean, people go to the public library and look at porn. It's terrible, yeah. right? Like, but you know, well, yeah, that's like Pornhub. 2007, they came into business. Is that really? I 2007? think 2007. And that just completely changed how we view It's crazy. Porn. Like, everything's free on there. Everything is free. It's... Everything's free. Before, like, yeah, you had to go to the store to get your porn mm-hmm. mags, or you had to buy VHSs. I remember the first time I watched porn, it was on a VHS. Oh, stop. Are you serious? Yeah, it was, like, called Chopsticks or something. I oh, don't know. that is hilarious. Uh, Mom, don't listen to this. A VHS porn. Um, but now, once Pornhub came in, boom. Yeah, could, I mean, come you, on. You could watch anything you wanted for free if you had the internet. Yes, and you know, I mean, there are, there definitely are some good things about um technology and mm-hmm. sex, right? You know, I think that, you know, like like all all kinks are great as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Yes. And um it might have been, you know, very difficult to find someone with a similar kink back in the day, but now, you know, Pornhub's got what? Like a million different categories. Like yeah. if you you can search this the, the specificity of it is absolutely insane. Like, it's unbelievable. So, Sucking on toes while parachuting out of an airplane. Yeah, right? I'm sure someone's done it. Oh, I'm sure someone has. That'd be a sight to see, it right? Would be. Um, yeah, I mean, you know... You know, I you know I th- you know I'm gonna circle back uh, again. I think that the the most important factor is not cultural or technological or economic. I think it's educational, and I think that if because I think that all of those factors have a all of the the the, the other three the education or the uh, technology, cultural, and then tech tech technology. Right, I think that they all kind of creep into our lives at different times you know maybe back in the day you know that adolescent period uh, technology is 
maybe the most important factor because it's so easy and accessible. Now it feels like it's economic stress that's stopping us 10 years later. Cultural, I guess, is always there. Mm -hmm. But maybe all of those, uh, all of our perception to those other influences would be swayed if we just had a good system of education on sex. Just like a good base to build off of instead of just Google searching boobs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I feel like we get thrown into it with technology and then it slowly becomes economic and then cultural is always changing and with no base to live off of uh, our our perception and reliance on sex quickly becomes shaped by those three others mm-hmm. instead of a foundation of what healthy sex actually is. I think that's very important. Beautiful. Beautiful, <laughs> Sam. I'm <laughs> going to end it there because that was so beautiful. Uh, Sam, thank you for taking the time to share your perspective on some of the strangest and most interesting news stories the world has to offer in a productive and meaningful discussion. Yes, thank Listeners, you. you can connect with Sam on Instagram at Walsh underscore 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 three underscores on that. You can also listen to his music collection of personal songs at callmewalsh.com. Expect a conclusion of his personal music journey with the release of Four Force March 21st. Is it going online March 21st? It'll be online. Or just a party March No, it'll 21st? be online on March 21st. You can go Perfect. to that URL, callmewalshmusic.com, call and then, uh, yeah. Perfect. I think this episode hopefully will come out before then, uh, but you can find all the information in the description description of this episode. And as always, thank you to all my listeners for listening to another episode of Water Cooler Talk, the only such podcast on the internet hosted by myself and guest hosted today by Sam, where we take the strangest and most interesting real life news stories from around the world and just try to have a good old conversation about some of the ideas discussed in those bizarre news stories. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to reach out to the show with a strange local news story, or if you just want to share some of your own comments, you can do so at watercoolertalkpod.com at gmail.com. Sam, you've been here before. The floor is yours. Oh my do gosh. Do whatever you need to I'm do just, is done. I'm just do thinking. whatever you need to do whatever you need to do. Jet ski it away. <laughs> I'm just trying to think right now. I coined a new term last week, sorry to interrupt. Jet ski it away. Jet ski away. All right. Well, it's winter know. now. Yeah. Um okay. Uh to wrap this up, I guess, I'll I'll share my uh I kind of talked a little bit about how what my uh, systematic and educational experience with sex ed was, but I'd like to share how my parents approached the subject. And uh, I was the oldest of five siblings, and uh, so you know I can imagine for them the idea of having this the conversation five times. They would uh, it sounds pretty daunting, right? Um, but you know, I this is uh, is quite unfortunate, and I think about it because I, I consider myself pretty educated. In 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 the matter now but when i was growing up they just simply just gave me like a book and they were just like hey read this and that was it they didn't like ever check up to make sure mm-hmm. i read it which i didn't because what you know 12 year old is going to check blah, 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 back in with yeah, their parents yeah it's like come yeah. on and so you know i just anybody that's listening if they have they have kids if they're going to have kids it, it's fine to give them a book but like maybe read it with them you yeah. know like i think there's i think there's something to be said about an actual conversation about sex uh, in comparison to, you know, like I mentioned when I was in third grade, they showed us a video. Like, it wasn't this human talking to us. It was this robot, like mm-hmm. this this voice in the tube in the TV that was just spitting things out at us. And we were supposed to take and retain them and understand the importance of them like that. And same with a book. It's like, okay, you know, like, how, is this, like, like, how serious am I supposed to take this book? And I think that's one of the things that I really 
regret, I guess. I'm not sure. You know, like I wish wish my parents would have done a bit differently and maybe I could have re- uh, responded to it better. Well, yeah, it's only uncomfortable if you make it uncomfortable. Right, though. And, you know, if you and if you just say, here's this piece of paper, it has everything you need to know on it. Go. 12 year old's not going to retain that. No. You know, it's got to be more uh, involved and in depth. So, you know, I would just promote, you know, I definitely know that I'm going to do it differently with my kids uh, one day, but I, I just, just leave this off on, uh, you know, educate your kids. All right. Don't educate other people's kids, but educate <laughs> your own kids, please. Yes. Educate. That's, I'm a big proponent of educate yourself, educate, you know, people around you that you care about. Just yeah. take the time, man. Just take the time and really put in the work. And that's such a good point. What you just said right there is that educate yourself now too. you know, if you're, you know, you know, 20 years old, whatever, and you never had the talk, go seek out those resources. It sucks that you have to do it yourself, but you you know, never or or always, uh, what is it? Uh, Better late. The, Better late than never. The, yeah. Than never, right? And especially with something as important as this. So pay it forward, I guess, to your kids. And if mm-hmm. you haven't given yourself the the gift of knowledge in, in in regards to this topic, then please do so. Well, yeah, to kind of jump on that and kind of get really people interested. Like if you put in the time to really learn about how to have a sexy, not a sexy, how to have a healthy <laughs> sex relationship with a partner with yourself. Guaranteed, a hundred times better orgasms. So a hundred times. Go. That's your little uh, clickbait right there to really research more on how to have respectful and consensual and good sex times. Yes, please. There are no, there are rarely any losers if you follow all of those yes. guidelines, right? There, there, uh, there are big losers if you don't follow those, yes, <laughs> those very, guidelines. Very true. All yes. right, Sam. Thank you for uh, joining us for another time. We'll have to not go two years between episodes. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for someone to just to be like, you know how some. Uh, podcast episodes just have like like a one person who comes in every once in a while. And yeah, like sure. A pretty reoccurring cast, cast member. Yeah. yeah. So well, I mean, just you'll have to let me know. You live four people, minutes away now, so I do. I could walk over you can here. Walk over here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Until next time. Peace. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not because they're real. What a conversation and what an episode. My mother now knows the title of the first porn I watched. Fantastic. I'm glad we are in quarantine so I don't have to see my mother's face when she asks me questions about this episode. Uh, But let's not dwell and get straight into the corrections. In story number one about sex education, we had trouble converting the ages of kids in school between the UK and the US. Kids in grade nine in the UK would be between the ages of 13 to 14, which would be grade eight for the US. As I'm looking at this little helpful chart here, it looks like you can subtract one from the UK to get whatever grade is in the US. Helpful little tip there. Furthermore, Sam asked if the UK had a standardized sex education platform. Currently, they do not, but the UK government is planning to implement new standardized curriculum in schools by this year, 2020. In the US, 24 states mandate sex education and 34 states mandate HIV education. The sex education bill in Minnesota that did not pass was called HF1414. Additionally, in this episode, we talked about STDs. According to a 2018 CDC report from what data they have been able to collect, STD rates have been rising. The earliest, this is a this is an interesting little tidbit, the earliest reports of an STD was in 1550 BC. Uh, so STDs have always been around. Oh, huh, interesting. 
As for the eradication of STDs, it is possible if a medication cure is available. In 1964, the People's Republic of China was able to eradicate syphilis for a short period of time through medication, testing, and education. But for STDs with no current cure, i.e. herpes, AIDS, actually during this quarantine thing, a second patient has been recently cured of AIDS. Amazing work out there by all the medical people in that field. Uh, hepatitis B and HPV, eradication for those STDs is a bit more difficult. Also, a quick update on information shared during the guest introduction. Sam's 4-4th project has been delayed during the COVID-19 quarantine, and more information on the on the release can be found on his Instagram, at Walsh underscore underscore underscore. In story number two, talking about the influence of media on beauty and success, I was able to find out about half of the world is connected to the internet, uh, 3.5 billion about, but no figures on media consumption. I would imagine it's quite high, but I do not have any data to back that statement up. If you're able to find something, listener, please send us an email at watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com. And finally, for our third story, we had a few corrections when it came to technology and the sex recession. Sam was correct. I was wrong. Population growth is on the decline. The newest figures say our current population growth is at 1.05%, down from 2% in the late 60s. And then when it comes to who plays more video games by gender, the gap is actually much closer as we've been seeing much more of an introduction of women into video game creation. As of 2019, the percentage of people playing video games broken down by gender is 50% men, 46% females. And finally, the percentage of people watching porn by gender, according to Pornhub's 2019 statistics, is about 68% men, 32% female. But female viewership is growing. Uh, so that is your corrections for the episode. Uh, thank you listeners for once again listening to another episode of Water Cooler Talk. You know, you probably heard it multiple times, but just a reminder, be safe out there. And you know what? Just, yeah, have a have a good time during this quarantine, man. Have, you know, maybe, maybe send us some emails, send us some pictures of what you're doing. I don't know. Keep us in the loop. But as always, that's your corrections. That's your episode. So get out of here. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not, because they're real.